The average person now spends 93% of their life indoors. That means if you live to be 100, you will have spent 93 of those years in a little compartment and only seven outside in the dazzling living world. This is a catastrophe, the final nail in the coffin for the human soul. You live nearly all your life in a fake world, artificial lighting instead of sunlight, artificial climate instead of the wild beauty of real weather. All the surfaces you touch are plastic, nylon, and faux leather. We live in a world of fake fireplaces and wax fruit. The atmosphere you inhibit is now filled with artificial smells, chemicals, and air fresheners instead of cut grass, wood smoke, and salt air. In the place of the cry of the hawk, the thunder of the waterfall, and the comfort of crickets, your world now spews out artificial sounds, all the clicks and beeps and whirs of technology. Even the plants in your little bubble are fake. This would be understandable and acceptable if we'd colonized Mars and by necessity you lived in a bubble. But this is not the life God ordained for the sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve. It's like putting wild horses in a styrofoam box for the rest of their lives. This is an excerpt from a book I've been reading by John Eldridge called Get Your Life Back. <clears throat> and it's, uh, it's really been a powerful um, experience going through it. I wanted to talk a little bit today about social media, but more so kind of the principles at play and the, the effect of those on our happiness. There was a time when I was a teenager that I, I don't know, for a long time really, where I was just very cynical and my only source of internal joy, of internal peace, was uh, in pointing out the, I guess, hypocrisy or idiocy of others and, and mocking happy people or mocking ignorant people or something like that. And you know that you can only do that for so long before you go, you know what, I want to be the happy person. I want to be the person that has peace, that has joy in in their day-to-day -day life. I want to be that person and I don't care uh, the cost. I don't care if it makes me less or, or more cool. Now, obviously, I do care. Every person does care, but I don't care enough the pain of not having the joy outweighs the cost. I'm going to put the links to all the things I reference here today um, in the description. So if you're looking for any of this, I'll, I'll put it there. Um, this is a quote I heard from Pete Holmes. He said, I don't know what I'm looking for when I look at my phone, but I've never found it. I was reading online and uh, one of the things I read showed that Facebook activates the same part of your brain as pulling the lever on a slot machine. Instead of cash, the payout in this situation would be validation, social validation, that it literally activates the same part of your brain as pulling the lever on a slot machine. This creates a situation where we are constantly evaluating our social rank, whereas in the past, every 10 years you go to a high school reunion, now every 10 seconds you are reminded of your social rank. When we don't have notifications, we aren't hit with that burst of validation, and we now went from having a normal day to feeling ignored. Because we are constantly evaluating ourselves, that negative hit of not having that validation that we are searching for happens over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and over in one day. Even if no one is doing anything to us, we now feel ignored. By increasing the amount of validation that we are looking for, we increase our disappointment. I watched a great YouTube video a few months ago about how overstimulation is making us unhappy. 
This is one of very few things that, since I've seen it, I've thought about every day. I saw this like three months ago, and every single day I think about what I saw in that video because of how true it was. And it talked about how the human brain is wired, you know, with a dopamine system, and the dopamine system tells you uh, basically that you're on the right track to something meaningful. So uh, when you're on your way to a meaningful goal, you get a hit of dopamine, and that that is a, a great part of, of how humans are wired. But now social media has put our dopamine appetite through the roof. We are now in a situation where every 30 seconds we want to encounter like a puppy, a fistfight, a political argument, you know, and a, and a half-naked person like every minute so that everything real in life that we can really affect, everything that we can actually improve about our life seems too slow too boring too hard we can't do it anymore and this seems like a small point but this is why this is such a huge point everything you want to do in your life long term every long-term dream that you might have is going to take forever and you're gonna have to do a lot of boring stuff every day to get to where you want to wind up. And if you have an appetite for that, then it is not out of your reach. Then those dreams, those long-term dreams of a great marriage, of a great career, of whatever those things are, those big, huge things out there, if you have an appetite for paying dues, then those things become within reach. But if we gear our brain that we have an appetite for nothing but constant, instant gratification, your ceiling is lower and lower and lower. The more that we become dependent on instant gratification, the glass ceiling is closing in on you. And your ultimate goals, your long-term things you want to die having done, become less and less possible. Another aspect of social media is attention pollution. I don't really know how to explain this uh, all that well. I'm not sure that I fully understand it. But there's something about how when you draw attention to something, it pollutes it. The purity of something, the purity of an experience, the purity of a book, of a movie, of a show. As soon as you give attention to it, it's polluted. As soon as you draw attention to it, something about it is lost. I think there's something to be said for shielding uh, certain things that are really blessing your life from the pollution of others' attention. Again, going back to don't let every single thing be evaluated, be ranked, be brought into the social race at all times. You won't be as happy as you could be. It also warps our perspective. I remember hearing somewhere that police deal with a, a higher level of suicide and depression and all these kind of negative mental problems and it makes perfect sense obviously because when you're a policeman you see the worst people on their worst day and every time you get a call you're about to see it again you're about to go see the worst people on their worst day so your perspective on humanity as a whole on existence as a whole becomes very skewed towards the negative in the same way, if you're to spend a ton of time on social media, it will skew the way you see humanity as a whole. It will skew the way that you see reality. Because the people that you will take the most 
content in from, the people you will pull the most from, will be on the shallower side of humanity. There's a study that showed that people who compare their lives on social media feel depression whether they're better or worse off, that either way, they feel depression. I think this might just be because it makes us think about ourselves. Now, I grew up in church, like maybe many of you did, and this thing that like, oh, thinking about yourself is not like the the road to happiness or whatever, that's like kind of the th uh, one of those things I'd have heard growing up, and you know, it's just something that you think that, uh, you know, old church people say to, to feel uh, important or something like that. You, you know, I would look at some like Janice saying that and be like, well, nobody ever liked you anyway, Janice. So maybe if they did, you wouldn't be saying that, you know, it's <laughs> so that that was kind of like my approach to it. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, okay. You know, did you get that out of your uh, precious moments Bible or whatever? But, and so I just didn't really buy it, this idea that, uh, you know, that, you can't really find happiness by pleasing yourself. I, I just thought that that was a thing that um, boring people uh, told themselves to, to feel at least important if you're going to be boring. In the years to come, I would go on to be very depressed and suicidal. And during those times of being suicidal, one of the things that was abundantly clear was that I was more myself than ever. This modern idea that you find yourself, that you are the source of happiness, that you could be the source of your happiness, is a road to suicide. When I was closest to killing myself, I had never been more myself. And it became completely clear that whatever I needed would not be found in me. The joy of life is other people's experiences it's the idea that there's a God, that there's something that you could give your whole life to that is good, that there is a good. Everything outside of you is what makes life magical, what makes it beautiful, what makes it worth not taking your own life. C.S. Lewis said, In reading great books, I become a thousand men and yet remain myself. That idea, the idea that we take on other people's experiences, taking in the wisdom and the, the ups and downs of history, trying to have some level of respect for history and, and see it as actual people, that these people are just as sophisticated as we are. They just didn't have iPhones, but everything else about them was like we are. And trying to learn their stories, trying to pour into the genius of the people that came before us, that that is a deep source of leaving emptiness, of leaving nihilism, is take in other people's lives, take in their wisdom, assume they actually have something worthwhile. Another thing social media does is it reminds us of how insecure all of us are. When a movie star posts a picture of their dinner, part of you says, wow, I can't believe I have this level of access. But underneath that, there's a much darker thought that says, wow, even at that level, that person still needs validation. Even being on top of the world, they still need this. They're still empty. What about when it does work? What about when people do like you? Even that has some drawbacks. At times in the past, I found myself changing who I was and what I would say in order to mirror what I thought people would like on social media. 
to feel noticed, to feel like someone saw me, that they were engaged in who I was, that they cared. However, this would leave me lower than ever. I didn't even sell my soul for money. I sold it for a virtual blue thumb. I realized that the more I consume, the less I create. The more social media I consume, the less I create anything. I view it as a white noise machine. That if your life is very traumatic, if you're going through a very traumatic phase of your life that is very up and very down, social media might actually be useful to you because it is kind of a white noise machine. It might give you just sort of this mid-level white noise, this background noise to kind of deaden the ups and downs of the chaos of your mind. But once you leave that chaotic place, once you leave that traumatic state, and you really want to make something of the rest of your life, social media will do nothing but harm that because if you're like me, the more you consume, the less you are ready to create. When I'm on social media a lot, I feel more exposed. I feel more ignored. I feel constantly ignored. It escalates the fear of missing out. It escalates the feelings that everyone else is off having a great party and they didn't invite you. It keeps me from actually thinking, thinking deeply and thinking hard about any big actual topic is not easy. And if I give my life an excuse, if I give myself an excuse to avoid it, I will take it. So social media helps me avoid deep thinking. It helps me avoid writing. It helps me avoid things that I actually find meaning in because they are painful. One of the things I've done to have a slightly more healthy relationship with social media is just turn off push notifications. It seems like a small detail, but has very deep implications. Every time you give in to impulse to your lower self, you lose respect for yourself. Every time you have an impulse and you immediately give in to it, you lose respect for yourself. Regardless of if other people do or not, you do. So when I would see notifications and I would immediately click on them as if I had no choice in the matter, as if I was just an addict getting a fix, my respect for myself would erode a tiny bit. It would just erode a tiny piece at a time. Every time you give in to impulse without thought, you lose respect for yourself. So by turning off notifications, it is now a choice. I am making a proactive decision rather than a reactive decision. When you give in to impulse, you see yourself being manipulated by your own weakness, and it causes a negative mental effect. In a recent quote, Jensen Franklin said, the more machines act like men, the more men begin to act like machines. And you see this in the book Brave New World, where people become so dependent on the momentary gratification, on momentary fixes, that they all are easily manipulated. They're all easily controlled. That you can control everyone because they all are dependent. And that when we leave the things, when we leave the vices, when we leave the things that we are dependent on and that we master them, that is when we are truly free to decide what the rest of our life becomes. Scripture says people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Once something has mastered you, you now serve it. Perhaps the most diabolical effect of social media is that it encourages our nihilist impulse. It encourages us to treat our time and by extension our life as meaningless. Call someone, write something, talk to one of your family members, 
without any sense of irony, without any sense of sarcastic self-loathing. Treat your daily life as meaningful. Treating your daily life as meaningful is not self-delusion. It is a stand against the cunning voice of the enemy, against the cynic, against the nihilist, and against the ego. Against the voice that says you must be everything or else you're nothing. That you either must be God and play God or you are evil itself. The enemy would prefer that we stay trapped in a loop of delusional fantasies of who we could be and then when we realize we aren't, self-hatred, that cycle over and over and over again is his desire for us to live in a cycle of fantasy and self-loathing. But God gave you this life. These are the cards that we have to play, at least for today. And in doing so, in playing the cards in our hand, in talking to your wife, in talking to your husband, in talking to your children, we decide to live with honor. We decide to honor the people in our life. We decide to honor God by taking our own life seriously. This is not contingent on our social standing. Whether we go out in infamy or we die in total obscurity, may we live and die with honor. Though none go with me, still I will follow. This doesn't mean you shouldn't reach for more. But what it does mean is that you aren't a joke. When you went to work to provide for your family, it wasn't a joke. When you made meals and created a feeling of home for those that live in your house, it wasn't a joke. When you called the friend and relieved some of their loneliness, it wasn't a joke. When you felt nothing, but you tried to do the right thing anyway, it wasn't a joke. You mean something. Don't just sit around and wait to die.